0: and soul. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for tuning in. Just thank you. I want you to know how very grateful I am we are that we are truly in this love together on this divine adventure in faith and that we launched our summer of shift for summer school. And some of us did some pretty magnificent work transforming our awareness, engaging our consciousness more deeply and more intentionally around how we can be and move together on this adventure in faith. So look. Part of what Dr. Sean Jenright left us with, and we're going to be going through this, I am, if anything, th- there are a couple of things that are happening about who and how I am. And one of them is that I am a show trainer at heart. In my household, I was the one who always wanted to play school and be the teacher. In the corporate environment, I was a corporate trainer. Here, I am very much a serial preacher. Now, when you roll all of that together, you know that what that means for me is that what I understand about learning, adult learning and the um, and the different ways that individuals grasp and hold and are able to comprehend and show evidence. That's what trainers require, that there's evidence of learning no offense, teaching is not necessarily the same. No offense in saying that. It's just that as a trainer, once the trainer has delivered whatever it is, there needs to be some evidence that there was a transfer of learning. And that's an absolute. And so very much, that's what I'm always looking for. That's why I talk to you and say, do you, you know, do y'all understand? And there was a time in our heart and soul life where I would literally stop and just ask the questions. What what else you need to know? Where are we? How is this not connecting? Because I feel it's essential if we take this time together that we be transformed in it. I naively believe that that's why you tune in. That's why you come in. If you are, in the, if you are ever in the room at Heart and Soul Center of Light, I know that unless you live next door, you and even in this case, if you live next door, you've passed another church in order to be here. And for many people, they have passed so many opportunities to stop and get a word of Scripture and hear a song if that's all you're looking for. This ain't that. Because there's something in me that is compelled to support that after we do this, because I feel like we could just go to brunch early if we're not really going to do nothing. But if we're going to do something, then let's, in fact, do something. Let's grasp this, and as my mother would say, turn it every way but loose. You know, once we get a hold of it, turn it every way but loose so that we are assured that we are empowered to use this effectively, intentionally in our living. Yes, so that we have some sense of how life gets to be the way it is, and that has everything to do with us. The divine is the divine. Y'all understand? God is God. We're not changing God. God is God. What we can change is us. And our, re- our unique individual relationship with the divine by any name, the living one, the strong one, Allah, Jehovah, whatever we call it, it really is not about it as much as it is about our relationship with it in it, how we see it in us, if we see it in us, because living our life without seeing the divine in us, as us, for us, around and through us is a different life. That's a different life than knowing, realizing, experiencing real time a relationship in the divine. So, I value very much what Dr. Sean Jenright wrote in the book in general. I don't know that there's a page that I don't have some kind of markings on, you know, either notes in the margin or highlighting and all the things, plus post it notes sometimes with additional notes in there. But I want to cite, and this for me feels essential to bring up with some frequency he wrote we need a fundamental shift in our values why i believe because we live out our values Now, that's whether you know them or not. This is not just for the people who have journaled and have a value chart and they have a a circle graph and they work in their value. You don't have to understand what values are. You are still living your values because that's how humans operate. It informs what we value, what is highest, most primary for our being. So it's impossible to not live your values. Now, that doesn't mean you're living the values you wrote in that class. That's a whole other thing. This don't have nothing to do with whether you live in what you wrote or what you told people you value. This ain't that. This is you. We live our values because it's primary in our consciousness. It's what informs what matters to us. So since we know that, if we're not living the life we desire to live, where to begin? Begin shifting what you value. I know you say you value X, but your life looks like you value Y. So if you want X, you're going to have to shift your values in the vicinity of X at least. I mean, that's why people say fake it to make it. You're going to have to start faking that you appreciate X before X is going to even show up in your life experience. So he says we need a fundamental shift in our values, a pivot in how we think, act, work, and connect. That's because our values show up in how we think, work, act, and connect. So we can't just go in and change how we connect. I mean, you can do that for 15 minutes. But it's not going to transform your connections unless you shift your values. Oh lord, I hope that's clear cuz that's like a whole that's like a week seminar. All day kind of thing. This ain't to run in for 15 minutes. This would be to this, you know, there's so much This is why we also offer classes, is to encourage you because we know that in the time that we spend together on Sunday, what I can do is pique your consciousness, pique your interest, engage you. This is not the transformative work. This is ideas about the transformative work. Somebody could say, this is you poking the bear, Rev. That's what this is. But the work must be done by you in the privacy of your consciousness, your heart-mind. But I'm giving you some clues. We must first change how we be. That's the first thing, which is why I love and part of, part of the, the whole... Um, centers for spiritual living, notion of change your thinking, change your life. It's real. It's real. Now, it's not real by saying it. There's no magic in those words. You could write a song about it and declare it every day and not change nothing else, and you will not be changing your life. Well, you will to the extent that you now got a song, You've added a song to the soundtrack of your life, but you have not transformed your life in the saying of those words. It would be in the integration of that idea, the exploration of it, the implementation, the self-actualization of it is what we're talking about that would happen. You know, Romans 12 and 2, and we're going to be here. We're going to be rocking between Romans 12 and 2 and Revelations 21, okay? So look, Romans 12 and 2 is saying, do not imitate the world. But if your mama was like my mama, she made that clear, don't come in here telling me what other people are doing. Because she made it clear, I don't care what they do. You live here in my house. You must do what is required in this house. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> and so it's appropriate that each of us does something similar. To not try to get into more deeply into the world. See about what they're doing. Yeah, but Rev over there they... will let them do that. And if that's really what is rocking your world, singing to your heart, you're excused. But if you are really looking for the depth experience of the divine, if you are really committed to practicing the presence the transformation of your being in your acknowledgement of the presence of the divine, then you're at the right place. And I'm going to challenge you to do the right thing in a Spike Lee kind of way, yeah. Do the right thing. Get in it. Get engaged in it. Be about it. Oh, I'm hoping this is making sense. You know, I'm, I'm calling you out. I'm challenging you. I'm saying we cannot sleep on this. Today is the 21st anniversary of 9-11. And we literally lost our minds on that day. We were traumatized. So we had all kind of reasons. We, but we literally just went crazy in the world. Some of us, few of us had the first thought, forgiveness. And although God is all there is, rolls off of our tongue, it didn't come up at all that day. For many of us, we have work to do. We have work to do because we must be willing to change our mind. We must be willing to pivot. So we know that that um, Dr. Sean offered us four pivots. I'm going to focus our attention. You know, they kind of roll in together, but I'm going to isolate pivot number three, which is about vision. It's about what we, pers- not, it's beyond perception. It's beyond perception. It's about discernment. Mm-hmm. It's about, because it has a knowing element to it. You understand perception has more to do with the optical system and, and what we perceive in that way. It could, have, could be more broadly um, applied in that way, but discernment, you see, you, you, you got to bring you to that. You have to engage your knowing for discernment. So this is about discernment, and he asks us in pivot number three to reimagine how we think and act by shifting from problem-fixing, which he also calls problem-loving, because for some, you know, it really is a, a love affair. It's, 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 it's the way that they kind of um, um, hold their existence from the vantage point of, here are the problems. So, how are you today? Ooh, girl. You don't even... It's a perspective, because that's not the only thing happening in life. My godmother just celebrated last week her 97th birthday, and often when I I ask her how she's doing, she said, well, you know, I woke up this morning... And her life is very different and frightening for her because her mind betrays her more often than it doesn't. But can you see the discernment is that the perspective or her point of reference, that's the better way to put it, her point of reference, her point of view in the moment is, I awakened. And there's not a one of us who doesn't have that as a testimony. Not a one of us. And what if we decided to begin with that? So not only did I awaken, but when I checked my senses, they were all functioning. Maybe not like they did 10 years ago, (laughs) but they are functioning. You see what I'm saying? When I went to get up, my legs worked. When I looked over there, I could see over there. I could hear the sounds. I could feel my legs, my arms, my appendages. I, you, I'm blessed. It's a point of view. Are you What are you seeing? What are you sensing? What are you knowing? Are you loving the problem and living your life in the fixation of problems? Or are you about possibility? Seeing what's possible in every situation and circumstance. Just doing the best you can. I'm not saying solve the problem. I'm just saying, can you entertain some possibilities? Can you? Will you? I know you can. Will you is the real question. Will you entertain some possibilities? Because this is an adventure in faith. You go have some problems. So it really doesn't matter how good you get at fixing problems. You go have some problems. You'd be better off to specialize in possibilities. Right. Because when you specialize in possibilities, whenever a problem comes, your specialty will be seeing it as a possibility, right. seeing it as an opening. Like, oh, Lord, here's something I can work with. Yes. So look, this is an adventure in faith. And here's what we have declared for 2022. We are moving forward together. together, We're going to keep on walking with you. That's our heart and soul message in a way. That that's our intention that we, we be of support and encouragement to each other. That no matter the weather, because there's going to be some problems. There's going to be some stormy times. The other day it was so hot, I didn't know which way to go. (laughs) So there's going to be, so no matter the weather though, we must know that something, the divine something, the all thing is present and present in and as us. On this adventure in faith, we're moving forward together, no matter the weather. We're always together. We're gonna keep on walking like this. Look at here. When we, when the ensemble, I was about to say, when we sang that song, because you know, (laughs) I was over there singing. I'm often in the choir. And the whatever singing and the you know, I try to I cover it with a little lip sync though, so it's not a offen- so it's not offensive to anyone. <laughs> but in that song, it's this notion of no matter what, no matter what. So I want I want you to bring that energy to. Revelations 21 and 1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So no matter what was going on, I still am empowered to see beyond what appears to be right now. I don't know if y'all understand the power in that. I don't know if y'all really get what that means, that no matter the weather, whatever's going on, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the old... The old heavens and earth, the old ideas, the old manifestations, they were no more. Why were they no more? One, because I'm not entertaining them. I'm no longer entertaining them. Somebody, oh, you brought up the story of the two wolves. When we were talking about something else, I don't even know where we were. It was I.J., those of us who were gathered in IJ, years ago I, I told the story, just this ancient Native American tale about the two wolves and the, 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 the one wolf is the, 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 everything we're afraid of. You name it. You don't need me. The one wolf is symbolic of your worst fears, your trepidations, all of that. And the other wolf is your dreams your heart's desire. And the child's question to the grandfather was, which one is going to thrive? And the wise response is, whichever one you feed. So, so it is with all of our ideas and our, whatever we entertain, our entertainment is energy. And so we're feeding our fear often. The problem, that's the, that's the challenge with problem loving is that you're feeding the problem. You're growing the, it's a feed me Seymour moment in a little shop of horror shape. You know, it's innocent in its own way, innocent more connected to ignorance. So you're just feeding it because because you feel like you got it. It's there. And everything you feed, it, it's just getting bigger and bigger and you get more and more scared. without it ever occurring to you to just stop that. Cut that out. Feed something you want. Feed your heart's desire. Behold, I make all things new, which reminds us that there's always an opportunity. That there's always an opportunity. There's always another way. There's always something. Look at here, Ernest Holmes says... I have the ability, each of us, I'm just going to, I'm going to read this. This might be a time to just allow your eyelids to close, to just take this in and hear my voice on your behalf. I have the ability to initiate a new chain of causation. There is only one mind and I am using it. The laws of nature are universal. My use of universal law is individual and personal. My thought is operated on by a universal creativity that is infinite in its capacity to accomplish my heart's desire and my greatest yet to be. In taking thought, I do not force anything. I simply decide what thought. Love, peace, joy, grace, inclusion, connection. So I simply decide what thought to follow, knowing the result is automatic. If I feed it, if I entertain it, it must unfold because that is the creative process. Spirit is forever unfolding its own nature. I make all things new. In the physical universe, it does so independently of my thought. In my personal life, it does its renewing activity through my thinking. So there's a story I want to share with you quickly. Well, I'm going to share with you. It's a story that um, I saw on 60 Minutes, and it so intrigued me that I had to do, you know, my own little background research. Forgive me, but I am just... uh, Thank you, David, I appreciate that. About to self-combust up here. (laughs) All right. So, it's a story about an award-winning, some award-winning young architects who set out to create a new model of architecture. Not a particular style of building, So it's not when we see a new style of architecture, it's not that they wanted to build new looks. Look at here. But a way of thinking about how to build, who should build, what to use in building, and for whom are we building. This nonprofit group is called MASS, which is short for Model of Architecture Serving Society. And the founders were... Um, inspired by Dr. Paul Farmer. And Dr. Paul Farmer is a founder of uh, an organization called, uh, a nonprofit called Partners in Health. And Partners in Health offered medical care to those who had no other opportunity to get it. So many of the photos that we might have seen of Dr. Farmer would have seen him in Africa with just emaciated children where he is bringing a team together of medical professionals who are helping in that way. And so Michael Murphy, and you see the little photos up there, Michael Murphy w- is one of the founders. He studied English architecture in college. And so once he finished his, his uh, degree, he said his life took a sharp turn when his father was diagnosed with cancer and given just a few weeks to live. So he went home to Poughkeepsie, New York, and and was in the home that his father was remodeling on weekends. You know, he was doing that. Just every weekend he would do something on that. So he said while he was there, he thought, what can I do while I'm on this death watch? you know, I can't just sit around and watch my dad waste away. And so he decided he would start working on the house. So he did that for about three weeks, and his father was still alive. Six weeks later, the father started helping him. A year and a half later, they had fully restored the house, and his father was in full remission. The father said to him, you know, working on this house with you saved my life. It healed me. Murphy said, well, now i got to be an architect. In that case, if it can do all that, (laughs) you know, then that's what I have to do. So he went to Harvard Graduate School of Design. And he met a guy and became friends with him, and that's the other guy there who is Ricks, Alan Ricks. And... um, During the first semester in the class, he said what they found was that um, that they were learning about heroism in architecture, you know, kind of who to worship, who did the best work, and the beautiful sculptures, and the names of the famous architects, and they wanted to know more about what I mentioned at first. Like, who are we doing this for? Why are we doing it? And where are we going to do it? And, how, and who's going to do it? All of that. So during this time, um, Michael Murphy went to hear a presentation by Dr. Farmer. And Dr. Farmer was talking about that everywhere they went, they were trying to build hospitals and schools and communities. Spaces for the community. And so Murphy asked him, well, who, what architects are you working with? (laughs) Dr. Farmer said, well, we can't work with architects because they kind of have a different incentive model. You know, the architecture incentive model is you pay me and I do it. And they can't, that's not the model they're working with. So he said, well, what if I volunteer? So he volunteered and they told him, well, make this... um, Oh, what was the thing he, they had him make? Um, a thing. Uh, some little, um, okay, a laundry building. That's what it was. They had him design a laundry building. That was all right. He, made, he did the laundry building in R- Rwanda. And so then later they said, well, do a hospital. Because this is a large community and they don't have any hospital. They don't even have any doctors. But we want a hospital. And so they, he designed it. And the feedback he got back is that it looked like a barracks. And they were like, no, because Dr. Farmer said it must be beautiful. Here was his standard. He said the hospital should be beautiful, building it should help as many local people as possible, and it should have natural airflow to prevent the spread of diseases like tuberculosis that often ran rampant in enclosed wards and waiting rooms. And so he then asked for volunteers in his class. He's like, oh, if if that's how we're going to do it, we're going to need help. So he asked for volunteers, and then he took time off and went to Rwanda so that he could see and be there and all of that. And as they began building, they realized that they couldn't even get in this, um, what is this thing that it is? Okay, let me just find it. Um, It was... I'm going to call a, a large machinery to move the dirt and dig, have a front-end loader, that's what it's called, a front-end loader. So they couldn't, they couldn't even get one in. This is where you don't stay problem-fixed and you look at possibilities. As they explored, he said, well, what if we dig it by hand? And so they began digging it by hand. And in so doing, they employed some 4,000 people in the community to do it. Do you, I want it, as I listen to this, you know, for me, I'm forever discerning that this ain't nothing but an ultraperm. You know, that's a line from coming to America. And for me, it struck me that it's this level of wisdom That when you know how life gets to be the way it is, like for a musician, if you're not a musician, they can play all the notes that exist, and you still don't know what note was played. But for a musician, they're like, that wasn't nothing but an F. That wasn't nothing, but they'll be able to tell you what that note was, what the key was. They'll be able to tell you what that is. And in life and how it gets to be the way it is, as I watched that 60 Minutes, I thought this is... Moving from problem fixing to possibility thinking. And my folks need to know about how it is actualized in the living of it, yes? And how many, how it changes things, yes? So I know that most of us, when we say Rwanda, we are thinking about, dare I tell you, 1994. I wasn't even thinking it was that long ago. Why? Because the trauma and shock of it, the massacre of some 800,000 people so shocked our sensibilities that for some of us, it's like it was yesterday. So there is a young brother, Christian, and please, I'm just going to pretend like I know, well, you can see his name, you say it. So, um he is now a part of Mass Design Group. He says that growing up, he knew he wanted to design buildings. He knew, he just felt that, but they don't even have a word for it in their language. <laughs> they don't even have a word for it. And there was, no, there was nowhere for him to study. So he ended up going to China to study in Mandarin. I'm just saying. Now... In the talk about problem, from problem fixing to possibility thinking, can I just say he went to China and studied architecture in Mandarin? I'm just pausing so we can just like take that in. Because when some stuff comes up in your life, think brother went to China And studied architecture in Mandarin. And then revisit YOLO problem. (laughs) So, look at here. So, he dreamed of of doing that. But when he got back, so when he came back with his degree and all from Shanghai, he was impressed with what mass was doing there and the way they were doing it. Because they were engaging the people. This was not an international product project where folks come in and they do it all and then leave. And you just have to. And I've been to countries where you see that that's exactly what happened. Because there's no local investment in it. They don't even know what to do with it on some level. You know what I mean? Because, well, yes, they do. They have turned it into something else. They have turned in whatever the little Goodwill project was that somebody decided they needed. They have turned it into something they can really use. But in this case, they're listening to the people and engaging the people, hiring and training the people so they're running stuff. Oh, I love it. So here's what he does. As he gets involved, he realizes that improve that we're improving the local economy that's what's happening so he ultimately started a furniture division of mass because what they were doing was getting the catalogs because if you build a hospital you go need stuff if you build a community center if you build a school you got to set it up so you then start ordering now that clearly there's some stuff you're going to have to order but there's a lot of stuff that can be made produced locally and that's what they started doing, start training people. So they're making chairs. And if you, and if, you saw, if you look online, you'll see they look like designer chairs, architect, like you'd see an architectural digest. That's how the chairs look. So he said it's one thing to go to Dubai and Turkey and China and Europe and pick a chair from a showroom and put it on a flight and bring it here. It's another thing to figure out a system that can create more opportunities for growth. I wanted y'all to have a sense of what it looks like to move from problem focus to possibility so we can not only apply it in our individual lives but collectively as well. And then I want you to know because I am, you know, I'm fascinated with Brian Stevenson love him. Fascinated is not the word. I am in awe. I'm in awe of his consciousness. And, you know, Brian Stevenson, attorney Brian Stevenson, is the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative. And so, at the the museum, and um, can I just remind y'all that your minister's image is at the museum? And another thing, I just have to, just because even as I was looking at this, and it doesn't, it's not in this section that we're talking about that I'm going to be talking about because this is the lynching. Mine is the, where, where my image is, is the civil rights, but still it's just the vision. To me, I'm just honoring the the vision of this man and his team to create and continue to expand. So what we're talking about here, this is the memorial dedicated to the legacy of of, of lynching, of those folks who were lynched. This is the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. Brian Stevenson said, you don't change the world with the ideas in your mind, but with the conviction in your heart. And that seemed to me to be something that showed up in the work of mass as well. So there is a project, there is a display at the, um, at the museum that for the Memorial for Peace and Justice that is soil collection. So it's in an effort to co- connect the research back to the communities that are impacted most, mass collaborated with EJI in developing a process where soil was collected from the sites where each of the lynchings took place. And so the community remembrance process allows communities to confront history. By becoming active participants in the commemoration of lives unjustly taken. So, the soil collection process served as the prelude to the memorial. And so, what you're looking at there are jars upon jars labeled with names, and the dirt, the soil taken from those spots. When I realized that Mass was connected with that and had collaborated, had supported that process in the collection of soil, I thought now, now look, I'm not selling, I don't have no stock. Well, it's a nonprofit. Um, I'm not I don't have any personal and I'm also not saying that they don't have some issues. I don't know, so I'm not representing them as perfect. But I am saying they got to move from problem fixing to possibility thinking. They got that part down. So I don't know what else is going on in all of their operations, and I'm not particularly interested. What I'm interested in is they gave me a perfect example of moving from problem fixing to possibility thinking. You know, Richard Rohr, I'm going to remind you because this is what I feel like is a huge part of my calling, that the true purpose of mature religion is to lead us to ever new experiences of our true self. It's the discovery process of who we be and how we be. It's to allow us to experience our true self, who we are in God and who God is in us, and to live a generous life from that infinite source. That's what we're doing. I will work as hard as I can. I'll do, you know, y'all have seen me in costumes. I'll do pretty much anything in order to bridge the divide from an idea, from a fear, from a sense of a problem to the divine possibility. Here's what I know for sure. It's included in the lyrics to this song. It is God's will that every need be supplied. That's what I know. What I know is that none of us must do without what's needed. Now, the needed is what's different from what's on your Christmas list. It is God's will that every need be supplied. What you need to know is that you are important. You're important to me, you're important to heart and soul, and we need you to survive and to thrive. ...that today, or acknowledge again that today is the 21st anniversary of 9-11, and I also just want to remind us of the lyrics of the song as well, that I love you, I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you, I need you to survive. So as we are moving in the world today, especially and just with this reminder of what we have been through as a nation, as families who have been traumatized in this process, that peace is still present. Peace has never gone away. It's not wasted. It's not lost. It's within us. And that's the wolf that we must feed. So as we move into this time of prayer, I want to offer you a quote from the book, Peace Pilgrim. This is the way of peace, overcome evil with good, falsehood with truth, and hatred with love. Only good can overcome evil. My simple peace message is adequate. Just the message that the way of peace is the way of love. Love is the greatest power on earth. It conquers all things. One in harmony with God's law of love has more strength than an army. For one need not subdue an adversary, an adversary can be transformed. So on today, the 21st anniversary of 9-11-2001, and as many mourn the loss of loved ones and continue to experience trauma from this tragedy, I choose in this moment and ask that you join me to move within our sense of loss and recognize peace. As I move into that peace beyond all understanding and settle into a quiet seclusion, I know and I know that I know that love is revealed. I recognize God everywhere and in everyone that there is one life and that that life is the living one, the strong one, that I am living that life even as that life is living me. That we all are living the life of the Living One, the Strong One, even as the life of the Living One, the Strong One is living us. That we're breathing the breath of the Living One, the Strong One, even as the breath of the Living One, the Strong One is breathing us. That we are one in God, one in the creative process, one. So, in this loving heart space, there is only the united spirit of the love of God. In this love, I am, we are immersed, surrounded, and healed of all sense of separation. This unified field of love permeates my entire being. As it does so, I know it permeates the all, everyone, Even those we cannot yet name, there is no other in love. I feel the heartbeat of the world growing daily in this singular personal peace. And as this singularity of purpose expands heart to heart and soul to soul within this unified divine space, I choose every day in every way to see love and to be the love I wish the world to be. In gratitude, I rest in this place of peace, grateful for each of the eight billion individualizations of the divine on this planet, For all those who have come before and those who are yet to come, may we, all divine expressions of the one, be the example of peace we wish to see in our world, and may we move forward together in peace and in love. Oh, I just give thanks. I give thanks that we have life to celebrate, that we that I am and we can be aware of the love that is present right here aware of the peace that is present right here aware of the infinite possibilities present in this moment now in absolute perfect gratitude I simply let go releasing this word into the perfect activity of law I accept it as so And I seal it for all eternity by simply saying, Ashe, Amen. And so it is. Love matters.